I'm sitting here with my friend Brock Wright. We are on another episode of Zero to 60. Brock is one of my best friends, and today we're going to figure out how he went from zero income all the way to 60K. Now, if you Google Brock or anything like that, you'll notice he's pretty high up there now, so he's well beyond that. But I'm glad to have him on here today, and hopefully you guys will learn a ton. So, Brock, thanks for coming to my house. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, well, thanks for saying I don't know about well beyond, but uh, doing okay. Um, I'm from a lot of places. Um, Southeast United States, live all the place. My dad moved a lot for work. Um, so, I, But I claim Florida because that's the, the place I live the most. And what was your childhood like? Were you in like a middle class family? Are you a rich kid? Did you grow up in the hood? What was life like? Um, I would say middle class. Um, my dad, um, he made good money, makes good money, but uh, he had seven children. That's a that's a that can be a drain on resources. Uh, so I would say middle class. All right. So you're not spoiled or anything like that. Um, you're actually the first person, you probably tell our, our listeners this, but you're the first person on here that didn't go to college. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Welcome to the world of software development. Um, <laughs> so tell me about kind of growing up in this family. What was your first ever job? Um, first job. Okay, so I never worked in the service industry. Well, not not really. I kind of did. I'll get to that later, maybe. Um, so my first job, well, we're really... Okay, can... Okay, uh, making cash? Um, allowance? Yeah, my... So my brother and I had this when we were like, I don't know, 12 maybe, 13. We had this... Uh, uh, younger brother. So I'm the second oldest. Um, so all my brothers are younger than me. Um, I have an older sister. Anyway, um, we had this garage, uh, not garage, uh, trash can service in our subdivision. We would go out and we would put people's trash cans out for the, for the, uh, yeah, for the, when the garbage man came by. I mean, I would pay someone to do that for me now. I would pay someone to mow my lawn even, but no one in the neighborhood kids do that anymore. What's going What's going wrong with this country? Anyway, um, so we charged like, I think we charged like $1.50 or maybe something like that um, per trash can. And uh, we split, we obviously split the profits. And when we, what we would do is we would enlist our uh, younger siblings to like help us sell. And I don't remember how we compensated them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was. I think that's technically the first quote job money making that I had. I've known you for like what eight years, seven years. I've never ever heard that. <laughs> this is. I want to start this in my own neighborhood right now and employ some kids. I would literally pay someone. I forget my garbage literally every week, and usually as I'm leaving, I see the garbage truck and I'm in my work clothes, maybe suit and tie or something, and I run to my garbage and like bring it down. All right, so you start this business, whatever, yeah, start business. All right, so you hijack an idea like Steve Wozniak and go make one. Anyway, um, or like Steve Jobs did the, did the Wozniak. Um, so that's brilliant. I mean, that requires no cost of goods sold, and it almost didn't even require your time. And it requires, like, it's it's recurring revenue. People have to bring their trash out. You're meeting a need. You're definitely the only person in the market, and you're you're very very cheap. Yeah. I I guys, if if you guys, I might hijack this idea and start a business from it. That's brilliant. Oh my gosh! All right, so you're earning some cash there, maybe a couple bucks a week, yeah. recurring revenue. I mean, I can't get over how brilliant that is. The other thing, I think the other thing I was doing at the time, because uh, I mean, dollar fifty a garbage can, not really a lot of money, so. Uh, I think I was also doing because uh, because my parents never really did allowances, at least not for the older kids. Um, so I think the other thing I was doing for money is I was doing foot massages for my mom, and she would like a dollar foot massage. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the only other thing. Yeah. Um, so how old are you, kind of, when you get your first real job? Like you have to actually go out of the house, work for a company. Um, how old are you then? 
think um, when I first my per, first paying job because I had stuff before that. Okay, first paying job. Yeah, first job, first paying. Okay. Um, well, when I was yeah, no, when I was fourteen, I started. So when I was fourteen, my dad came to me, and when I came to me, he called me and he's like, "Son, <laughs> I have something to tell you." Um, and he was like, "Listen, I don't care what you do, you know, career. Your career's up to you, but." while you're under my roof before you leave i'm going to give you a skill that you can make money with and and i i know this really good one which is soft development so i'm going to teach it to you um right right. who knew (laughs) um so what he had me do is basically uh shadow him and just he would try to he would turn and try to impart things to me completely over my head um a lot of it but i'm sitting there watching him and i'm hating every second of it um didn't want to do it on any level um but i had i had respect for my dad so i i did it i don't always had the best attitude about it but but i sat there and i did it a lot of osmosis you know stuff and you were the first kid like your older sister didn't learn software development no um see i think with think with my dad was if you had something that was like a skill you were going to learn and you went after it he didn't you didn't get subjected to the <laughs> the software development treatment so my sister was at that time um, starting to get really into like being an artist and writing novels and then she went on to get her private pilot's license so she had her own stuff that she was doing so my dad was like okay she's good yeah. brock what are you doing I'm like i got nothing I'm like okay <laughs> he's like okay well, i'm gonna learn you some stuff all right so let's give a little background because you have one of the most unique dads in the world. So give the listeners kind of a little bit of background on who this man is and um, what kind of, like you you, could, you don't say no to what he's going to ask you to do. So let's give a little background on, on who your dad is, which may actually separate you from every listener out there. Um, but but this is important for the story. Um, my dad's amazing. And um, so we're... He, let's see, where do I start? I guess he's former Air Force. Uh, yeah, special yeah, spec, spec ops. Um, he met, he and my mom met when they were in their 20s, uh, fell in love, got married, and then he went to college here in Charlotte, UNCC, got a degree in geography. What's that about? I don't know. Um, but he got out of college and was like, he's like, okay, I got this degree, can't do anything with it. Um, I'm going to learn how to do uh, development, which is what he did. He taught himself how to be a developer, right, software engineer. And from there, he just started it, just iterating what he calls iterating to success. Um, and he, and a lot of the stuff that he just, he, a lot of things he's taught me, I've now, when I'm having left the house and just being out in the world, I'm like, there's like names to it, like, you know, stoicism or, you know, like uh, principles of, you know, um, you being successful and doing X like and stuff that my dad just kind of knew or like taught me and I didn't realize we're like oh these are actual things <laughs> right exactly right exactly so he 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 has this, this he has his mind I, I've always said about my dad if 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 the sun were to go dark tomorrow my dad could step in and provide enough light for the universe to continue to operate because he has that level of optimism and just supreme, not arrogance, just confidence in his ability to do anything. doesn't matter. He's never done it before. He's going to do it. And he tried his damnness to um, instill that into all his children. And um, so, you know, that's just where he comes from. That's a natural to his breathing. I I wouldn't put it past him to do no, to do that if the okay. sun went out. <laughs> I wouldn't put anything past him. So not everyone has a a special ops, um, ghost ghost leader, whatever they call it in the military, dad who can probably hold their breath for you know who knows how long and build a tent out of a toothpick and a band aid. Yeah. But but you do. But but that's kind of not not. Anyway, you you had to learn software development. So he kind of taught himself software development. Just so happened to be an emerging trend in the U.S. and the world. Um, so what year was this when you started, like, shadowing your dad? Mm, you're going to make me do math. Okay. Um, so I, was, I think I was 14-ish. So that's roughly 10 years ago. So that's 2007. 
so 2007 i'm shouting my dad um he's doing java development web development so i'm just watching him do do this stuff and uh, not getting paid um and and he had at this time he had started his second company so he had his first company then second company and you you know um lots of you know success failure you know entrepreneur he's doing the whole entrepreneurial thing um and so i'm shadowing him learning things not really enjoying it but just doing it and i'm i'm i get to this point where he's like okay now i want you to like actually do something you know not shadow anymore now i want you to have some business business like relationship like responsibility so he had this client that he was going to sell work to. And it was, the client was an old friend of his. But what he wanted me to do is go into a room and pitch, like, hey, we want to sell you this service, and we're going to do this for you. And so, But he wanted me to pitch it. I'm like, I think at this point I'm 16, 15 or 16. Anyway, um, I have a just paralyzing fear of talking to anybody about anyone I've never met. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about it. I, I have people I don't know just talking to them about anything, asking them for anything. So it was a big internal struggle to go through that, like palms sweating, like I'm, my hands are shaking, can't, like I'm really nauseous, all that. That takes a lot of chutzpah because this is like a deal kind of on the line. I mean, it's family friends. They're probably going to salvage it, but like, yeah, there's there's something at stake and you're going into this room. So talk about um, throw. I got to have your, your dad on here. He's literally just telling me the story of how he taught your older sister how to how to ride motorcycles. He was like, I mean, I learned by jumping out of a plane with night vision goggles on, and it was just part of our training. Um, so so this is how you learned how to speak in front of people. Well, what's funny is, this, here's what's funny. Um, that whole attitude, like the way he's describing that, is exactly how he talks to you when he's teaching you something. Um, it's like, he's, he just expects you to do it. Like, um, when I was really young, like six five or six years old, I was deathly, I think all children were, but I was deathly afraid of the deep end of the pool. So my dad's solution, you know, my dad's solution is, you know, first step, I'm going to strap this life vest to you and I'm just going to drop you into the pool. Okay. You're good. You can handle that without crank. Great. Now what we're going to do is you're going to hold on to me. You're going to hold your breath and we're going to go and sit at the bottom of the pool for as long as you can hold your breath. (laughs) (laughs) And he, he, it was never like he was doing this against my will, but he would be like, okay, Brock, we're going to go do this now. Are you good? I'm like, uh, yeah. (laughs) And <laughs> I don't think it would, but I mean, it, yeah, but it worked because because he just had this has his way of, <laughs> but he just had this way about him where he's just like, we're gonna do this. Are you are you with me? And you're just naturally you just can't help but say yes. I'm already I'm already I'm already through the breach. Like I don't even remember stepping out here, but here I am. Um, so you go into the room. What's that first experience like? Because um, you're still working for free, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So what's that experience like when you walk in the room? Yeah. Um. I'm I'm actually getting nervous just remembering it. Um. But yeah, my it's my voice is shaking the whole time. I forget half of what I'm supposed to say, but I get through the most of it, and you know, finish. And and the guy, very kind, kind man. Um. That that was the client, and he said, Yeah, well, let's do it. You know, and let's do it. Let's do it. Where do I sign? You know, all that stuff. So, and then my dad took over from there. So that was my first like experience, like being in a room, talking to a client, selling something. And now I know you worked at a car dealership. So is this before then? Well before. All right. Well, all right. Backtrack me. So you're still not getting paid doing the software development thing. So backtrack and go take me to this car dealership before we dive headfirst in the software. This is before. All right. So we're still in the timeline. All right. Good. Um, so you get that. You, you get the work. When do you start getting paid for software development or even business analyst skills or working in that company? Um, it was really kind of an off and on thing because my dad up front was like, listen, you're going to work for free. <laughs> and and cuz he was what, he, what his whole thing was you're going to work for free and you're going to gain skills. Um and he he saw it as exactly skills are worth more than money. You need to step up and and develop a work ethic and develop skills before anyone would even think about paying you to do anything, much less like a really skilled position like a software engineer. So for that period of time, you know, kind of starting there and then um 
I was doing I was doing wor- sporadic work, intern bit level work, basically, um, doing kind of business analysty things, kind of in very low level entry web development stuff, low level Java development. Like I'm just blundering around. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, kind of thing. But I'm learning, and and I'm getting compensated a little bit, like you know, a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. I think the first thing that I was actually the f- no, my first compensation was an iPhone 3GS. Oh, wow. I said my, so this was back in like 2008 and uh, iPhones were just like huge. 3GS. 3GS. Yeah. It was my first f- like actual phone. Um, and I was telling my, I said to my dad, I was like, listen, I want this iPhone 3GS cause I had, had no real money of my own. iPhones were like, like, I think they were like 300 bucks or, or something like that at the time. And uh, I was like, I want this phone. He's like, okay, well, what are you going to do to get it? <laughs> He's, he, like, I think most parents would be like, you know, well, here, you can do this to get it. And my dad was like, he put it back on me. He's like, okay, tell me what you're going to do. So I forget exactly what he did, but like I did a bunch of work yeah. in the same vein of like this internship type things. And I, I worked my ass off. I wanted this iPhone and, and got it. Wow. Um, so that was my first compensation. And after that, I think I was like doing like, I think it was like $15 an hour type of work, no but, but, but it wasn't consistent. It was yeah. like hit or miss, like every couple months, yeah. you know, type thing. I'm still living with my parents. Like, I think I'm 17, 16 yeah. at this point. Um, don't have a car yeah. or rather I'm using the family car and then I'm paying for my, yeah, I have my, I have a license. I'm paying for my own gas. Um, yeah. and I think I'm paying part of a car payment actually when I, ha- when I was making money. Yeah. So, all right. So when do you start, when do you go work at this, um, car dealership? I mean, you've kind of got the software development thing going. Why do you, why do you go work at this car dealership and when is that? So up to this point, um, I did not like being a software engineer. I didn't enjoy it. It didn't, it didn't really click for me. Like I didn't understand, they didn't really understand it. It's literally another language. Right. It, yeah, it is. It, it is a lot like speaking another language. It's just written and it's computers, a lot more logical than actual languages in my opinion. Yeah. But you know, I didn't under, I didn't really understand it. So I didn't want to do it. So I want to try something else. Like what else can I do to make make money and um at this point i'm i tried to like i tried to get a job at best buy and and that i remember that very just just best buy yeah just talking to people about technology which i can do all day i love technology like i I wanted to be in technology i knew that but i didn't know what to do you know um outside of that so i remember i tried to get a job at best buy and i went in and i i was like sweating like man it was like I remember that vividly, like going in and asking, like, you know, where do I apply? Just, just asking, where do I apply? It was like, I had to like work myself up in the parking lot to go in and like ask. It was ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So needless to say, I went in, I do it, never hear from them, (laughs) like ever. I'm like, okay, well that didn't work. (laughs) So, um, you know, what can I do? And I forget how this happened, but, um, my older sister, boyfriend canal husband but at the time boyfriend his dad was like a pretty really good uh, car salesman and i'd forget how this happened but basically i said well let me try selling cars and um my brother-in-law's father basically got me an interview entry level you know car salesman this dealership um in gainesville was doing like yeah it was a chevrolet yeah they were, yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> they were uh, bringing on a bunch of, like, what they do is they bring on a bunch of people who've never sold cars before, and they put them through, like, a two-week training pro- program, and then they just have them sell cars. And how it works is if you sell cars, you stay. If you don't, bye-bye. Um, and, but there's, a li- there's some grace. Like, you know, as long as you're seen to be making progress, you, you can stay and, and work and, you know, and all that. Um, so I, I try it. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll try it. Yeah, try anything once, you know. Um, and I hated it. Wow. I mean, I, we, I mean, I just finished talking about how I had to work myself to go and talk to somebody yeah. about asking where to apply. Yeah. Try selling people a car. Like, like for me, that was torture. Um, but I, I stuck with it. You know, I, I don't like to quit. Yeah. It's like an inverse. Like, um, my, the, 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 I am the source of I am the source of my own problem kind of yeah. thing. Um, I was torturing myself basically. But so I do this for like. Five, four or five months in the car dealership what's your compensation is it all commission or are you getting some hourly 
I'm getting I'm getting something hourly. It's very I think I'm getting paid. I think minimum wage. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and 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 if I make commission, I get that. But only if I make commission. If I just break even, I get nothing. I'm just I'm making you know very very low level money. And it's not like one of those jobs where you can say, "Hey, Dad and Mom, come come help buy my first product that I'm selling." This is a car, not not a not a trinket or something. All right. So, do you ever sell one car? I I think I sold four cars total my time there. Walk me through the first sell. Um, I mean, it's just a repeat of my Best Buy experience, right? Hands are shaking the whole time, sweating. I'm trying to keep my voice steady. You know, trying to remember everything I have to do because a lot of a lot of paperwork involved in selling a car, and the people I sold cars to, they, like they were buying a car, like they were going. It's not like I sold the car; they were yeah. going to buy the car. Yeah, so I just happened to be the guy who go, exactly, or, or or was there's actually an order like you don't step out of order, like you know, yeah, especially with like the people who are there, like actually like doing their jobs and selling cars and like making a lot of money doing it. You don't there's an order to like okay, it's your turn. Okay, now it's your turn. Okay, so now it's your turn. So it just, I just happened to be up. So yeah, hands like very nervous, but like you get them in, but there's a lot of anxiety too. Like you get them. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I tried that, but a lot of times, but these people I sold cars to, they're just in there to get like basically me in a car dealership. I'm just here to get what I want and this is what I want. I don't want to pay anymore. I don't want anything else. You know, this is what I want, uh, which is fine. I'm, I'm that person, you know, when I, you know, so, um, yeah. So, and, but it was a lot of like, so you get through the paperwork and then you get them into the, the finance manager's office and but you don't know if they're still going to buy the car because you know a lot of things can happen and the it's like a it's like a, a formless void in the finance manager's office you don't know they come out did they buy the car they signed they not you know whatever so but then it's like a huge rush after like they like yeah we bought it you know it's great and I'm like well okay it's great but it was like after the after i sold the fourth car and i was just like man I don't like this. Like, this is like actively destroying my soul. Um, Did you feel like having that experience made you choose software development? Um, maybe with more gusto? Oh, straight up. Straight up. For, 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 for the obvious reasons. Number one, I hated it. Number two, I'm just not making good money. <laughs> and I knew I could make good money doing software development. So it was purely like I was motivated solely to, to switch back. I was motivated solely by, you know, I want to make money because at this time I'd met, I'd, I just met my, my now wife uh, and I want to get married, but her, her parents had this weird archaic, you know, re- request of, Hey, you need to be making money before you can get married. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So there's nothing like hating, you know, your current job to get you back into software development, but there's really nothing like a girl to motivate you to really do anything in life. <laughs> All right, so you go back to software development. When do you get on the payroll for like really developing? Like you know you've got a steady paycheck coming in. Um we were doing a research project with the University of Florida, um Swarm Robotics, another company my dad had started. And I think it was yeah, no big deal. It looks really good in the resume. Um, I I don't think I was really that much of a help, <laughs> but I, I I was a little bit. I was competent on a very low level. Like, you know, I was I was okay. It wasn't great. I was okay. Um, but it it was really cool work. You know, I wish I w- at my where I the knowledge I have now. I wish I was at this level doing that um, because that was it was a really cool project. Like we would go out and do um, demos. This is 2012, 11? Yeah, I think. So 2012, 2011-ish, and you're doing robotics, which now in 2017 are, are huge. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. So there's actually a white paper of that robotics. Maybe we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and people can see it. You're not blowing smoke. Like, right. those, are, those are real stuff. <laughs> You know, I want to give credit where credit's due. I didn't, I was not the germ of this idea, and the contributions I had were very minimal. Uh, mostly it was my dad and um, some really brilliant guys at the University of Florida, but it was really cool to work on. Um, so that's the first time I'm actually, I'm actually give, actively getting like paid on a, like a payroll basis. All right, so you've worked, if that's 2000, what'd you say, 12? So you started in maybe 07, so you've been working 
four to five years, we'll call it ish, of free. Maybe you get paid with an iPhone every now and then. You sold cars for a minute, but um, you've been working for free for four or five years till you get this quote unquote gig. And how much does that pay again? I think it was like $20 an hour. Yeah. A 20 year old, less than 20 year old kid making $20, $20 an hour. All right. But you're in a highly skilled industry. So supply and demand, fewer developers, higher demand. So 20 bucks an hour. So if you were to work full time at 20 bucks an hour, um, we'll call that 40 K. You weren't working full time. Were you working full time? Just like getting paid full time or, or how'd that work? Both. I, I was, I wasn't getting paid full time and I wasn't really working full time cause I was still in high school yeah. at this time. Yeah. Technically. Wait, 2012. Uh, I don't, I don't know how old I was in 2012. <laughs> well, when were you born? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I graduated. I graduated. No, all right. Yeah, I'm out of high school. Out of high school. All right, cool. Um, do you still have your high school thing in your in your car? Do, yeah. Oh man, so depressing. I make fun of Brock for this all the time. His high school, what's it called? The the thing you put on your hat, tassel in his car. I know you're proud of it. I'm just saying I make fun of you for it. <laughs> you're driving in a in a Rolls Royce one day with your with your thing. <laughs> we'll go back to this, like what do you make fun of me, Colby? I'm driving Rolls Royce. Like, screw you. Um, all right. So making 20 bucks an hour, but working part time. So maybe we'll call it 30 K 20 to 30 K, something like that. If you had to scale it out a whole year, um, after that gig, you're still in software development. What's the next project? So that ended, um, then I started working for my dad's other company. So he kind of had two companies going at the same time. Um, and that was doing mobile development. And that is when I really started like, hey, this software development thing isn't so bad. Because I was really into Mac, iPhone, mobile, all that stuff. Um, so that's when I started really. And this is about the same, like $20 an hour. I'm working full time now. Um, I'm commuting. I'm, yeah, the client build project. Yep. Um, but it, little bit of that, a little bit of like internal development, like they were building out these demo apps yeah. to like show at trade shows. Yeah, yeah. So what I was doing is I was living in Gainesville, Florida, and I would, and but the office was in Tampa. So four days out of the week, I would commute every day from Gainesville or uh, near Gainesville, Ocala area yeah. to Tampa, which is about two and a half hour drive one way. Did you, did you have your own car or did you buy a car or what? I was using the family car that I was paying the car payment of. Right, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of my car, yeah. but like, mom's like, I need to go run groceries. I was like, okay, well, here's the key. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. All right. So now you'd say like you're full time in the workforce. Like you don't go back to school. You don't go back to you're full time at this point in 2012, 13, and you're 19, 20. 18, 18, oh, 17, 18. So you're full-time in the workforce. Maximum, you're 18. So you graduate high school a little early. You're homeschool. Um, so it's a it's a plug. We need to know Brock. Brock was homeschooled. So, um, so all right. Um, you're full-time in the workforce. Let's get your full-time salary before we keep going. Yeah, I think at this point I'm making th- uh, 30 to 40K. Thirty, all right, all right. So that's maybe like seventeen, eighteen bucks an hour. All right, cool. And you're living at home, so you can pocket a lot of that. That's good money when you're living at home. Like you're, you're killing it. Okay. So at this point, so one of the first things I do after having get all this money, I go out and I drop like way too much money on a MacBook Pro. Like I get all the upgrades, like and like just way too much, way too much money. But I had that Mac Pro, MacBook Pro for a long time. But yeah, way too much money. But I'm also paying a uh, car payment, like a really high car payment at okay. the time, because um, I was basically paying for the right to use the car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, pocketing a lot of money. <laughs> I definitely was not making 20 bucks an hour at 18. Um, not, not many people were. I mean, most people we've had on the show are like got to 20 bucks an hour, like maybe their second college internship or their second job after college. Um, when do you get, so you're full-time software developer, when do you get a raise um i think i get a small raise while i'm at this company but like a like a one percent two percent raise so i think i go up to like 22 dollars an hour 24 something like that 
Um, but it's not very much. And I'm not with that company for very much longer. And I actually stopped working for them right before I turned 19 because right. um, the project ended. Yeah. It wasn't like a firing or let go type thing. I was a, I was kind of like a temp employee anyway. I was yeah. just there for the project, yeah. kind of like a contractor. Mm-hmm. So project ended. They didn't have any more projects. So I was like, okay. Uh, right. Yeah. So. So at this point, you've been working in web development, software engineering since you were 14. So that's about five or six years, depending when the exact time we started. What are the skills that you know at this time? Um, Yeah, four or five years. Um, On my resume, 2008 is when I say my career started. So so yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, low-level web developer, low-level mobile developer. Objective-C, you know, Java, XML, CSS, JavaScript, HTML, yep, all those, yep. Um, you know, I put some business analyst stuff on there because I'd done some yeah. some of that stuff. You know, so you could build a website for a restaurant at this point. Uh, yeah. Really? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Five years. You, you, so young. It was, but like a lot of things weren't clicking for me. Yeah. Really, when I turned nineteen, yeah. a lot of things just a lot. I don't know. How, I don't know how to explain it, but a lot of things turned on. Like, oh. I feel like a, a, a combination of things. But. What were th- some of those um. Well, I've, I've had a girl. I had a girlfriend, right. but I got my first real job offer okay. with Proficient. Okay. That happened when I was 19. Right. Um, I started getting like actual. I had moved out by then, and I wasn't working. Um, I was surviving off the of money I'd saved, and I was starting to pay my own bills. And I was like, "Man, life is expensive." Yeah. <laughs> so it was my first time, like actually, like, "Oh, hey, you know, internet costs money. You know, groceries cost money." Um, I had my own car at this point, but I just dropped a bunch of money fi- fixing the air air uh, air conditioner. And I'm like, dude, all this stuff is expensive. So so that, and then um, and then something happened logically where a, a switch flipped, and I just understood programming and all the stuff that I had sat next to my dad and shadowing, and was I was just receiving by osmosis. Suddenly, it all just clicked. Wow. Um, I don't think that's normal. I don't know if that's normal or not. I, I don't know. I mean, definitely with successful people, you hear a lot of those clicking moments. And it sounds like here was a lot of different factors. So at this point, you start to experience hockey stick growth. Yeah. Like you're kind of flatlining for five or so years. And But the thing is, what I want to reflect on is you didn't quit there. Maybe it was by force. Maybe it was your kid or like made to. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think in retrospect, the motivation doesn't matter as much as the result. The result is, <laughs> the result is I didn't quit. Now, if it was because I didn't want to disappoint my dad, or you know, my girlfriend at the time had ex- expectations of me to move my career forward, or her parents did, or I had expectations of me, or I just didn't want to quit, you know, I don't know. I can't point to any one thing and say this is why I didn't quit. Yeah. I'd like to say it was because I didn't want to quit, but I don't know if that's completely true. But I don't think it matters. The, the, the result is I didn't quit. Whatever you need to tell, what, something my dad used to tell me is, whatever you need to tell yourself to get over the hill, when you are going down the hill, it doesn't matter why, you, how you got over the hill. So it was like, when you're in a moment, whatever you need to tell yourself, tell yourself just to get over that hill. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so walk me through how you get that first job offer, and just to. You know, Proficient's a publicly traded company, one of the best software companies out there. You'll take us through that. But um, this is a no-joke job offer, but let's also, you know, you're not just getting a handout as a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid or you're old at this point. You've been developing, you've been in the industry, putting yeah. in a lot of work for five, probably maybe more, maybe less years at this point. So walk me through that first job offer. So a lot of the work I've done at this point has been for companies that my dad started, but it wasn't really working for my dad. Um it was working for people that work for the company. So my job experience isn't like, you know, working for my dad, it's more working with my dad. Yeah. Um, but in at that time, it, it was like 20, 2012, 2012? Yeah, 2012 that this happened. Um, he, my dad was now at this time working for Proficient, um, but he, he was uh, on this project, and my dad. One thing my dad does is he talks about his kids all the time, all of them, to anybody, and he just makes it part of the conversation. You know, oh yeah, my son, you know, so on and so forth, um, or my daughter, so on and so forth. Um, so one of on this project he was working on, they were doing uh, automated testing of a, a 
Webster portal interface, basically a, a back-end system with a web interface that people go in and, and manage data and stuff like that uh, for Lowe's at the time. And they were working on this project. Like, yeah, we need someone to write these automated test scripts to, like, test these interfaces. And very, yeah, very basic. It's coding still, yeah. but it's very low-level coding. Um, so what, yeah, what happens is my dad is, is like, yeah, we need someone to do this. Like, I, who would we get to do this? Because, like, this isn't a, you know, what they would pay for this isn't very much money, but we need someone to do this. And the, the project uh, manager he was working with was just like, well, what about your son, Brock? And it's like, it never occurred to, I guess, I don't know, it never occurred to my dad to uh, to think of me in, in that in that way, I guess. Yeah, so anyway, so he's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So they called me, and my dad was like, hey, listen, I got this job opportunity. Um, you know, we're going to do an interview. I'm like, oh, okay. So they call me, and, and my dad's not doing the interview. I don't think, I think he was there, but he wasn't doing the interview. It was um, other people. So I, I do the interview, and uh, they offer me a job. All right, so Lowe's is in Mooresville, North Carolina. You're in Florida. Do you drive up for this interview? Is your dad, it's on the phone? All right, and is your dad on site, or is he in Florida? He's, I think, he's commuting back and forth between Florida and and, and North Carolina. Um, like he flies, I think he flies home. He he he's there for like Monday through Thursday. Flies home Thursday, something like that. So you're in this interview, low level. You call it UAT testing, or I mean, you're like coding, like writing automated test scripts, like XML, or what is it? Yeah, um, it's actually Java. Okay. Um, that um, it's this it's this technology called Selenium, that. Yeah, it it goes through, and you're basically programming uh, button clicks, yeah. mouse clicks yeah. onto a screen, and coordinates and all that kind of thing, and looking for expected desired results. You know, expected testing against an expected result, and you know, reporting on what the results are, that kind of thing. All right, so you get this job. How many interviews do you have? One or one phone interview? I think I have. I think I have two phone interviews. Pretty sure. Do you get the job? I yeah, I got. The, they extended me an offer, as they all would right. say. Yeah. <laughs> So walk me through the prep of that interview and walk me through accepting that job and then tell me the number. The number. Um, yeah, so just like any other job interview I'd had before, I, you know, really nervous. Right, but I'm a little bit, I feel I'm a little bit more prepared because I've been doing, right, yeah, I, I'm to the point where I've crafted this, you know, this gear where I can shift into that, you know, I'm nervous, but I don't show it. I can I can function I can perform, um, so I prepare as best as I can. My dad um, gave me some like, hey, these are some of the things you need to you know prep yourself with, um, and I do the interview and I I guess I do okay. Yeah, I got the job. Um, so they 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 said okay, yeah, you you we want to hire you, but you're gonna have to move to North Carolina, which I wasn't expecting because my dad was was flying back and forth I'm like oh, yeah i'll just you know but no you're yeah but like no 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 you're not that important you know you're gonna need you're gonna need to move which was kind of a big thing for me because while i was moved out i was like less than five miles away from where my family was at the time so i'm now moving across state i've had a girlfriend for like two and a half three years at this point um and i'd be leaving her not like leaving leaving her but like we'd be in a long distance relationship you know which you know very hard so yeah so this is a big deal. A lot of people could have said no to that because at the end of the day, you, you're in software. You probably could have found another job. Um, but you leave your family, you leave your hometown, and you move to a place where you really don't know that many people just for this job. What was your mindset? And it's highly uncomfortable, it seems like. What was your mindset in there? Because you probably thought about saying no. I, I didn't actually. Uh, <laughs> didn't even think about saying no. My mindset was I want to get married. Um, I'm at this point, I was like, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get married. Yeah. Yeah. They, they need me to, as if, you know, crazy thought need to have a job, need to be making money. So yeah. And what I saw this as I pure, I saw this purely as an opportunity to get a, a, a salaried job that put on my resume, say, Hey, I did this. I made this much. And if you want to hire me, you're going to have to pay this or more, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Like I, this is this, I saw it literally as my first step to being married. And when you get the call from HR at Proficient, what is the number that they're giving you as salary? 50K. 50K? Yeah. No joke. Yeah. Wow. All 
which to them was like that's in software engineering that's that's in, that's entry level basically oh, yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit more than entry level but it was yeah maybe a little less and it's very very it's very entry level so it's nothing to them but to me that was huge like i couldn't believe it i i like had to keep looking at it to make sure the decimal was in the right place yeah all right and then you move to charlotte north carolina you Honda Civic. Oh, I had to buy a car just to move up there. I actually, I had this. Well, I actually had. So my mom had an old Volkswagen Jetta, like 2000. Uh, year, it was made in the year 2000. Yeah. Volkswagen Jetta breaking down. The pistons weren't firing right. It was like all kinds of weird stuff. So that wasn't gonna make it to North Carolina. And I had planned to drive down to Florida, like, yeah, yeah, and you know, yeah, long distance is fine, but you need some face-to-face time. So I was gonna drive down every at least once a month. So I needed a car that could handle that. So I had to go and like, you know, buy a car, like buy a car. So I, you know, I went and bought like a new car. My dad had to co-sign because no credit. Um, and I, so now I had like a, a car payment, like a real in in my name uh, that I had to pay. So I pack everything into the Civic, everything I own, and get up there and I get a one bedroom apartment and all this stuff is like really new to me because before I just had had roommates that were my siblings um, even when moved out a lot of us three of us moved out at the same time so we were sharing uh, apartment together so it wasn't really that different to me from being outside of my family's house um, so and it wasn't that expensive either <laughs> so I'm paying my own you know rent because by myself and that was really for my own peace of mind because um, I'm not really comfortable around people I don't know, so I didn't want to just move into a apartment with just some random people. So, uh, pay my own rent, pay my car payment, utilities, all that, all that stuff. All these bills are like now they're all mine, and that's the first time ever that it's been that way. You're you're making it rain over here. <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm trying to put a lot away, obviously, but yeah, I'm a very Spartan existence. I go to work. I eat, I sleep, I, I slept so much that first year, but this was before we met, this was right before we met, but I slept, I would come home and I slept on an air mattress with a memory foam on top of it for a whole year, dude, that, that, that was like some of the best sleep I've ever gotten in my life, because I would literally, I would come home, I would eat, I would just lay down, I would sleep, and wake up the next morning, repeat, over and over again, and it was that, it was then where I really realized, like, yeah, I'm kind of an introvert, because it didn't bother me at all. Like most people, are like oh, I need to like be around people. I was like, mm, I'm gonna go to the mall and just kind of be around people, not talk to them, and that's all I need. I remember that air mattress. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was that was your your apartment. I mean, you had a nice computer, but you had an air mattress. <laughs> with priorities. <laughs> all right. Um. So we're making 50k at proficient. Um. And it's like, oh, first job 50k, but it's not like that. You've been slaving away for five years. How many? How many years? Take me from when you started learning software development to proficient, how many years was that? Five. Five years. All right. So 2007, 2012, so about five years. And then you, that's kind of like your college right there. From 14 to, to 19, that's your college, or 15 to 20, whatever it was. And then you start working out proficient. So we're at 50K. We know how you got there, but we got to get to 60. So tell me about what you're doing at proficient here. And, um, you know, you obviously start excelling. Um probably get promoted walk me through kind of that first job and what's it like getting into the real world there so um it's really interesting because that's that's one of the first times where i was working with people i had no frame of reference with um a lot of people from different countries like in like people from india never worked with anyone from india before that was a culture shock um but one thing, and if I could rewind the clock, clock a little bit, um, one thing that really helped me um, get over my fear of like, you know, interacting with people, was the Civil Air Patrol, All right. um, which I was a member of for since I from uh, I think fifteen or sixteen to when I turned twenty one, um, and that was huge. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. Um, that really got me. Um, out of my shell kind of and interacting with people and like being responsible for things like I would go to these encampments that was basically like eight day um well encampments <laughs> but they were like eight day acti- activity eight day activity where you have um basically kids yeah. training like like 17 16 18 year olds training 12 13 14 year olds ha- things about the air force like aviation knowledge yeah. you know drill 
how to, you know, where, where uniform, yeah, discipline, leadership, wearing uniform properly, all that kinds of stuff. And it's all about building leadership. And so I went to one of these as just a, a cadet and I was like, it was, it was kind of traumatic actually <laughs> a little bit, but it's just like, you know, how you go through something, you come out the other side of it and like, you feel really proud of doing that. I felt really proud of that, man, I want to come back and like do this, but as the staff. And I did that like six or seven times. And that was me getting up in front of people and like commanding. And I like, I did like successive things. I started out. Right. Yeah. And like, so I'm learning leadership, learning how to talk to people, learning how to, um, learning how to get a disparate group of people to come together and to, because what they do is it's really quite brilliant. Um, what they do, uh, they have a, what's called a flight, which is about 20 kids, like, you know, like, like a unit, like 13 to 16-year-olds. And then you have two other kids, basically, but seven, you know, 16, 17-year-olds that are in, that's me and, and somebody else that are in charge of, of – now, they're adults, like, supervising, but largely it's the uh, flight staff, uh, the, the two people who are in charge. They're in charge of making sure they get to bed on time, make sure they get all the meals on time, make sure they learn, make sure they learn, like, really high-end stuff, like leadership. They give leadership classes. And we're provided, like, a syllabus and stuff, but we actually have to come up with the classes – and all this, not even icebreakers. It's like we're actually just imparting knowledge and they're just listening. That's one thing about being like a pseudo-military thing is you don't have to disguise it as like a game. It's like, no, this is just information. <laughs> yeah, and um, so, but, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and what that taught me was how to get, a group of people with different motivations and different desires and attitudes to come together to for to get something done because you know if you can get 12 13 14 15 year olds to do something you're not gonna have any trouble with any with adults how much more can you get motivated you know people getting paid to do right right so that experience being being in the suburb patrol doing those things um and and doing well at it i'm not not trying to be arrogant but I, i was good at it i found see I found my wings exactly. I, I I'm equally so I I I don't like talking to people. I'm equally competitive. I'm a very competitive person, especially with my older sister. And she what what actually got me to join the Civil Air Patrol is she joined it. Now she joined it to be a private pilot. I joined it because I wanted to be better at it than her. I graduated high school early because I wanted to graduate at least at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my it was one of my core motivations as as a teenager, yeah, competing with my older sister, which is which actually which was great because she was uh, she, she was actually really great about it because she didn't care, which was great for me because if she had cared, she probably could have slapped me down and just been like, no, Brock, like I'm actually better at this than you and stuff like that. But she, which wasn't, she's a year and a half, yeah. I am definitely punching above my weight, yeah. and she totally could have shut me down if she wanted to, but she kind of let me do my own thing and. And that even and but but it's 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 almost like you know God orchestrated it because it's exactly what I needed. It allowed me to have these experiences and and grow up. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, that experience really enabled me when I got this job at Proficient to go in and learn the lay of the land and really adapt very quickly. Right. And what I and a lot of things that I did in the Civil Patrol, like um, little things to like enhance performances. Like, um, you know, okay, if we, if we do this in this order, we'll get done faster and we can be the first, you know, unit out onto the parade field ready to go, you know, for X activity. So it was stuff like that that helped me, you know, thinking that way helped me at Proficient. And what I started doing is um, I was doing my job, but then I was also trying to learn everyone else's job. Specifically, not even everyone else's job, but specifically the guys who were doing the hardcore coding. I wanted to do that because I knew that's where the money was. Money wasn't in doing QA testing. Money was in doing the the hardcore Java development. So what I started doing is I started like sitting with you know um, the guys who were doing it and you know watching what they did and if they didn't mind having them like explain certain things to me and even asking like, hey, that little thing, do you mind? Like, I don't want to impact your like deadlines or anything, but do you mind if I try doing it? And they were like, a couple really, you know, kind people. They they let me like kind of mess with it. So I kind of grew into a larger role of actually doing that. My 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 job shifted from QA testing to Java development on on this project, and this was like a I think it was this project was like a year and a half project now what's your mindset in asking these people hey can i do that because 
a lot of people just go to a job. Hey, that's that's not on my bucket. That's not my checklist. Like, it's not part of my job. I don't need to do that. I'm just going to QA test. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sleep on my air matches. Like, what was the motive? Was there any other motivation besides that's where the money's at um, for that? Um, I just was, I just wanted to excel. Like, I was, I wanted, I was, I, what happened, the whole civil virtual experience, what happened was I, I transferred my competition with my sister to competition with myself. So, um, I want to, you know, the next time I do something and then the next time I do it, I'm going to be better than the last time I did it. So, and, and that's kind of been my, my, you know, a lot of driving force, like, like with the Spartan races I do. I think it literally came from trying to compete with my sister and then, you know, you know, doing well, her letting me doing well, basically. And then like, okay, now what else? Exactly. Addicted to the success. And I was like, how do I replicate this? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, I think, I think, um, it's just like anything. It's everything in, you know, moderation, obviously. Um, but that's definitely where it came from. I was competing first I was competing with my sister and then I was, comp- I don't know how that happened, how I transferred just to competing with myself, but that's what I started doing. And when I, and it was probably, it, it, it is the praise. Like, you know, people, when people say, Hey, that's a good job. I, I really enjoy that. So, but it eventually got to where I saw it. I did a good job and I said, Brock, that was a good job. And, and that felt good. So that's where it came from. You know, that, you know, that's where the money is, but also this, I like succeeding. Now, when you're at Lowe's, you working on a mobile app at this point? Not yet. Backend stuff, Java development, basically. So, when you move on, when do you get your first role as a Java developer? Is it on? Um, is it is it at Lowe's? Yes, yes, it's at Lowe's. Um, I think it's like like eight months, close to a year after I've already been doing um, web de- uh, uh, QA testing uh, development. Bless you. Um, so now you're a full-time Java developer. When you get, is this on a new statement of work, new SOW, new project? I think they did a change request to use yeah. some some CR. some some jarg some jargon. Yeah. yeah, but it was coming with like something else, some other release. So you know, it was just part of it. And everybody on the team felt comfortable given, yeah, Brock can do Java. He's been watching me. We know he can do it. And you've had experience. I mean, this isn't your first first job, really. Yeah. No. I mean. If you look at my resume, you're like, oh, yeah, he knows what he's doing. It, not really, but, yeah. like, I did have some experience. I showed some competence. It, 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 right, exactly. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, Sean was like, yeah. My dad was like, oh, yeah, he can do it. It was like, no, it was like, you know, Brock's competent. Like, yeah. he can yeah. he, he can do it, you know. It's some, some learning is still necessary, but he can take on user stories and, like, you know, these, you know, specific sets of functionality and, and do, a, do a decent job. So, yeah. And when do you get your first raise at Proficient? So the first, um, the first year Proficient, after the year's over, I got my first raise. When did you start at Proficient? It was um, May. 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 So fall. Somewhere you did it. You've got a year in review. Right, year in review. At the holiday party they had, um, they do awards for like the region, and I won Rookie of the Year. And then the following May. It did, yeah. Um, the following May, they said, "Okay, we're gonna give you a raise." Do you have a bonus for the um, yeah, but you—it's part of the. Everybody gets a bonus. I don't remember what mine was, um, but anyway. So yeah, I got a raise. Um, they actually had to get approval from the the the, the uh, C- CFO or the CEO. You have the CFO, the CEO of the whole proficient, because they were, they wanted to give me a fifteen percent raise, and like the. The, the regional director of the, the group of Christian I was in couldn't approve it. It had to be approved by someone at the very top. Wow. And, and they approved it. Wow. Um, so once you get that raise, you hear about it, what's that number or what's that email number when, they, when you find out about that? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I was just elated. I didn't even care what the number was, just yeah. the fact that they had to get approval for it. That that was almost more important to me than <laughs> than what the actual number was. I, I don't remember. I think it was close. It was, I think it was like 55, 55K, yeah. Math is fuzzy. Whatever 15% on top of 50K was. Um, I don't remember, but yeah. Seven, seven and a half. Um, so 57.5. Um, we'll call it that. So we're still not at 60 yet. So you've been in software development now six years. We'll call it one year in the workforce, full time, like full company, benefits, whole shebang. You're living on your own. Um, you're at 57K, but this show, we got to get to 60K. So how do you get there? 
so I could just keep doing what I was doing with that project. But what I started to do, I start transitioning to mobile. And what happens is Lowe's wants to, con is they con at the time, they contracted out all their mobile work. And they the contract that they were using for their Android app, they they didn't like what they're doing or whatever the, the project ended or they wanted someone new in so they came proficient was a trusted vendor like hey who do you got for mobile development at the time proficient had nobody yeah. except you know me yeah, and well dad yeah my dad you know pick up a book two 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 hours later okay yeah i know it um so he was like we can do mobile development and i was in i was i was i was, I was doing java at that time and i was really interested in mobile development anyway so i was kind of doing that on my own I'm um, just trying to experiment and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, we can do that. So they pitched, they pitched uh, the project, and they pitched, you know, me and and um, a couple other people who were kind of in that vein, and and we got it. So I transitioned from this uh, Lowe's WebSphere portal, IBM stuff. IBM stuff to hardcore Android development. Wow. Yeah. Um, I remember that because we started working on an app together and you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I need to learn Android. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And this was the, this is actually, um, this is probably the time we met and we started, uh, we, we lived at Regate. Yeah. Good times. So at that point you, a little backstory. So Brock and I are uh, now friends at this point. We're about to become roommates. So you move into my house, a lot cheaper than the apartment complex. <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was awesome having you over. I'm not saying I wish we could do it again, <laughs> but uh, because, you know, being an adult and, and living with, you know, yeah, being married is probably better than living with me, right? <laughs> um, so, so at that point, we still got to get to 60. So you start doing mobile. You've already got a year. Do you have to wait for another year in review to get a raise or what happens? So what starts happening now is I get incremental raises, like 2%, 3%. 5% raises over the next couple of years and somewhere in there, you know, very quickly, I think within, um, I think I got really close, like 59 or something, um, that following year. And then immediately after my, I, I got a raise every year as with proficient. So, um, and I transferred to like a national practice where I was doing a lot of remote work, like working from home. Um, and that came with a, a little bit bump, um, so yeah, it was, it was at least within two years after I got the first raise that I, I hit 60. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's it, man. So you're, you kind of went from zero to working at a car dealership to going back to working for free software to starting at a big publicly traded company, um, started at 50 and you got promoted a few times, learned new skills, um, got real passionate about mobile and kind of killed it from there and that's that's how you got to 60 so very cool man any uh any closing thoughts on, on getting to 60 or anything you, you want to tell us um i mean at, at some point um I, th I think one of the important things i guess i would say is and i think you've talked about this before in your other podcast it's very important to know people and I was very fortunate in that um, my dad was a huge resource for me. He got he got me to get, he got me to where I could get my foot in the door, but he didn't open the door for me. I had to like pivot and roundhouse kick the door off its hinges. <laughs> but I had the had to have I had to have the wherewithal to do that, right? I had to get in there. I had to hustle. I had to work hard. I had to like get noticed. He wasn't doing any of that for me. He was just getting my foot in the door. Like, and, 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 and and that's not unique. Like anybody you know, anybody can do that for you. Um, so I think that's the thing is that. You can you, you you opportunities are given, but you know anything that's permanent is earned. So that's probably it. Some quotes tonight. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna, I gotta, if I was twittering, I would tweet those. <laughs> it's Twitter. Twitter's not. It's kind of losing it, right? It's not as cool as it used to be. We'll make an Instagram picture and put the quote over it. That's probably the coolest way to do it now. All right. So usually I tell people if. You know, you were talking to a college kid, but you can't relate to that kid. But let's pretend either you can or you're talking to someone else out there who's working for free. Maybe they're working at their dad's woodworking company. Maybe they're working at their parents, you know, factory or something like that um, or their home based business or, or something like that. Like, what do you tell that kid in college who, who you know, he's just working at a at an entry level job and doesn't really know all that. Maybe he's interested in software development. Maybe not. But. 
Um, what do you tell the, those kids on how to get from zero to 60? I think it's important to choose an industry that has a lot of upward growth or momentum. Like, you know, car sales, not really, unless you're like really good at selling and you're like a natural born seller, not, I don't think that's a great thing to do. So for me, uh, and I did, I do want to say that I did eventually end up loving doing uh, software development. Um, it just, so I didn't end up, end up in the beginning, I didn't like it and I ended up loving it. So, you know, just cause you don't necessarily like something doesn't mean that you won't end up liking it, I guess. Um, but I guess I would say, I think that's a big key, especially when you're starting out. I so say, we don't want to know what we're going to do. Don't probably not going to found the next Facebook for me. I'm not going to be an NBA player. I'm not going to be in the NFL, but it's like you kind of go where the money's at. And in your case, the money was in software development, and you ended up falling in love with it or being in the industry and finding things you loved about it. And it's so interesting that that came first. And it's a very common trend from when I, when I talk to people that that comes first, not necessarily passion. Right. I think, I think in our popular culture, it's like, um, reinforces the idea like, oh yeah, you got to struggle to do the thing you want to do. And eventually that'll pay off my experience. Just looking at friends, that doesn't, that that's actually rare. Um, So sometimes you just got to, I mean, and I think the definition of being a man is to take stuff on the chin and just do it. And, and that's what I did to make money. Cause I, I had something I wanted. I wanted to get married. So I would say, um, find, yeah, find some first step, find some, some top shelf, you know, in-laws, which my in-laws are the best. Yes, they are the best. Um, Find so that's step one. Find some top shelf in laws. Hopefully, they have a daughter <laughs> or a son. You know, whichever. Um, anyway, but no. What I would say is, you know, go where the money's at. Go where the money's at, and then if you don't like that, you know, go go somewhere else. But but don't ever. I would say don't don't spend your time trying to do something where there's not a lot of upward momentum in in it. Like, you know, you know. I don't want to say don't be an artist, but unless you're like Picasso, maybe you are. But there's not a lot of money in being an artist because everyone's an artist, right? It's it's very hit or miss. You know, you know, same thing with like being a singer or a musician. It's really difficult to do that kind of thing. And I, and I can say that because I don't have an artistic bone in my body. <laughs> That's very easy for me to say. But my experience is, you know, try enough things that have a lot of opportunity upwards, and eventually you'll find the thing you like, or you'll grow to like something. That's the biggest thing, growing to like something. Um, it's like you can either do what you love or you can fall in love with what you do. And your your happiness is going to be off the charts regardless if you can do both of those. The big thing my dad harped on when we were young is you define your own weather. So you can choose to be happy wherever you're at. Now, that doesn't mean like you should stay in a situation that's actively. I mean, I think, tell my story, I actively left things that I didn't like. But... I wasn't necessarily like, you know, had depressed the whole time either. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, so y you can, you can learn to like things. And, but if you don't, you know, that's fine, but you can learn to like things. You can define how you, um, feel about something or how you look at something. You're not in like a, a horrible situation. You're like in software developing, creating things. You can learn to love something like yeah. that. It's not like you're, you know, in a torture chamber or something. <laughs> Um, I want, man, I had this, like, I was just thinking in my head, it was something about like, oh yeah, I was saying like the grass isn't, people think the grass is green on the other side, but that's not true. The grass is actually green where you water it and you were in, in things. Yeah. Well, you just, well, well you, your dad said the, you make your own weather. So we give Sean, Brock's got two quotes. Sean's got one. I think maybe I get the last one. Um, the grass is greenery. Well, I, had, I had actually a, a, a counselor tell me, is like, well, the grass is actually a she. She said, the, the grass isn't greener on the other. The grass may be, she said, the grass may be greener on the other side, but the, on the other side, but there's shit on both sides of the fence. Yeah. And then the quote I really like is, is the grass is green where you water it. So no matter where you're at, if you water that grass, you're going to have a beautiful yard and you're going to get to play in it and do everything you want to do in it. Let's, let's put that on Twitter right now. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap it up right now and then we'll get you back on because you're leaps and bounds um, beyond 
you know, just doing some entry level mobile development. Now you've built a, a few of your own apps. Me and you won an international development contest and got to fly to Israel and present it in front of the Citibank executives, largest bank in the world. You <laughs> think you did. Um, so tell us as we wrap up, where can everyone find you? I know you've got a lot of presence online. So where can we find you? Um, so I am on Twitter. Um, I'm um, Mattathias underscore XXII. I'm not going to, you know, I won't. Yeah, put in the show notes. Um, I have my own website, Werta, also difficult to spell. Um, put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, brock.in.right. Um, Instagram, same as my Twitter. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, one's called Daily Aliyah. Um, it's just the uh, weekly Torah reading, just the Bible app. Yeah, um, I've developed this app uh, called Preview Grid. Not, I, I don't. It's not sold by me. I developed it for somebody else. But it's a really slick app. Um, the, these these uh, two women who um, designed it, brilliant eyes for design. I just built it to their design. But it's super slick. It's for Instagram. Um, just a way to structure your feed for those like professional Instagram users. <laughs> those people. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I built this uh, USMC uh, PFT scoring. It was mostly for my brother. He's in the Marine Corps. Um, not, I'm not really proud of it. I, very, I did it like in a, like a weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's really not. It does not look good at all. But it ki- it kind of functions. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, great man. Thanks for coming on. I I loved it. It was cool. I I didn't know a lot of those uh, a lot of the details of those stories. So it's cool. I'm excited to have you back on. And uh, hope everybody hope everybody enjoyed.